0: You're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And today we're joined by Amy Berryman. Amy is an actor and writer living in New York. She made her off-Broadway acting debut this year in The Convent by Jessica Dickey, which was a Rattlestick and Rising Phoenix rep production. Her play Walden has been seen at several different conferences over the past year and was the runner-up in the Premier Play Festival, where it received a workshop at Premier Stages. And also, Walden was in the Last Frontier Theater Festival conference. I, it's one of those two words. <laughs> um, which is where I met Amy and Yay. saw her beautiful play. And that's in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yes, we met in
1: beautiful, beautiful Alaska. And, it was and the I best just have time. this
0: memory of we like went on a walk <laughs> in the woods by these beautiful... Mm-hmm um ponds and there are mountains in the distance and there are all these signs that were like watch out for bears and so we were very worried we were going to see a bear and then we later found out that while we were on this path in the woods a bear walked right through downtown I forgot that and we missed it <laughs> yeah but we also <laughs> so, Amy welcome to Beckett's
1: Babies thank you Thank you for having me. I I love podcasts, and I've never been on one. And I love writing podcasts, especially. And I've been enjoying listening to to you guys. It's been so cool. great. Oh,
0: I want to you. know more about your writing of podcasts.
1: Oh yeah, I, that was something I was going to save for my glisten.
0: Oh oh okay, a okay. <laughs> sneak preview, everybody. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for more. <laughs> so, um. We like to start off by asking people about their earliest memories, so tell us what your first memory is. So it seems like almost
1: impossible, but I'm pretty sure this was my first memory, that I was like not even quite two years old, and my first memory is of my baby brother being brought home from the hospital. I'm uh-huh. originally from Seattle, but we lived in Abilene, Texas, which is sort of in like middle of nowhere, West Texas. Um when I was like, from ages one to seven. And um, so we were in this, I, I was in our house in Texas, and I remember it being like me walking to the front door. And my, my memory is very low to the ground, which is why I think it's real. <laughs> and then the door opening and my parents holding this little bundle and looking down at me and saying, hi. And like, that's all I remember. And there's no video of this. So I think that's my first memory, which... It feels very young to have first memory, but, um, but yes, and some of my other earlier first memories are of like being in the theater with my dad, who is a actor, writer, director, like oh cool renaissance man, jack of all trades kind of, and he uh, taught at the theater department at a university in Abilene, Texas. And so like some of my earliest memories are of him like teaching Suzuki to all these students and like Mm -hmm. which I then later studied Suzuki in school. So it's kind of kind of a cool thing. But so theater has always been like around me. I've always been exposed to it and around it. And, you know, I've watched the video version of Into the Woods like with Bernadette Peters like more times than any other Video I've ever watched, like from when I was little, 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 and I would play Little Red Riding Hood. But like Stephen Sondheim's Little Red Riding Hood, that was like my make believe <laughs> game. So, so yeah, theater's always been, you know, a part of my life, for better or worse.
2: Does your Does your mom do theater as well, or has some? Experience? She
1: doesn't. She's a speech pathologist. She's not really an artist, but she is a big supporter. And I'm very, very, very lucky that I have some very understanding supportive parents
0: of my work. That
1: makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a very lucky thing, I think. And who, like, understand it and can kind of at least understand my, like, emotional ride as an artist, you know? So it's,
0: yeah, they're great. (laughs) So did you get into playwriting at a young age, too?
1: Not really. I wrote a lot. I, like, when I was maybe in third grade, I started writing a novel called The Lost Dog. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. It was about a uh, young girl whose dog gets lost. And then the dog, I think, travels all the way from Texas to Washington State, which is like what my family did. (laughs) And um, I don't know, we still have it somewhere. But um, so I definitely was into writing from a young age. But then I got really excited about acting and just was very focused on, you know, I'm going to be an actress. I'm, this is what I'm going to do. No, I'm not interested in writing. Like my dad would kind of try to talk me into focusing on writing. And I would be like, no, I'm, this is what I'm doing. Like, don't try to stop me. Um, So I was very like single-minded and stubborn about it for some reason. And um, it wasn't really till I like went to school for acting. I um spent some time pursuing acting in the city like five or so years and then i got a really great gig in the humana festival which is um a new you know you probably know but for listeners like the very amazing new play festival at actors theater of louisville that happens every year and it like launches new plays to be done other places and it's just like amazing theater camp for adults um Cause you've got like six or seven casts that are all like living together and, you know, near this theater in the middle of Kentucky, Mm -hmm. lots of bourbon and like just (laughs) fun friend making. And, um, but being at that festival kind of exposed me more to like the new play community and more playwrights. And
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and when I like got back, I was pretty depressed and trying to pursue acting again. it just was like, i Also then put myself in a playwriting class at that time and, um, was rereading Harry Potter and kind of like came (laughs) across this memory of like my mom confronting me about all the like dirty fan fiction I was reading online (laughs) and so started writing this play about that, which became my first full length, um, just called three year summer, um, which and, is an
0: amazing play. Listeners, you should check it out. Thank you. Thanks,
1: ma'am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then
1: I, it was sort of like I fell in love with theater all over again when I started writing plays because I was like, this is so much more fun and exciting and challenging, but in a way that I feel I have some control over versus as an actor, you always have to like be waiting for somebody to – Mm -hmm. invite you to audition or to be a part of something and as a writer I feel like I can make you know create a world then like invite people to come hear it out loud and talk about it so there's like it kind of um satisfies both my like introvert side which likes to just like be alone in my house and write and then extrovert side which like needs the community world of theater and um yeah, I just love it. I don't know. I, I like the the hustle of it a lot more than the hustle of acting also. It just, you know, acting is uh, can be so wonderful, but it is just – it's it can be pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, and the rejection-wise and everything.
2: I'm curious, like, in what ways do you feel, like, how has acting prepared you for playwriting?
1: hmm I think that, like, you know, when you – are trained as an actor. You are trained to be super um, empathetic and kind of really get into the world of the character, like their their inner world. And so I think that from an acting perspective, I I do approach characters that way. Like I often feel like I take on their emotional state while I'm writing, um, which I don't write in public very much for that reason because I can be like very expressive, um, but. I um yeah I think it's it also makes dialogue a little bit easier I think mm. um, so I think that you kind of know
0: like when you're writing dialogue you can draw on your experience as an actor
1: yeah I think so and actually like workshopping plays with actors has also taught me a lot about acting and about how mm. actors can really like interrogate a piece of work. um, and that that can be so helpful. And I think I've felt at times as an actor, like I haven't had the agency to do that. And then the more I've kind of worked on both sides, I see how actors can really bring a lot to the writing when they're really asking you to kind of defend your work as a, and like what, what's happening in this scene really. And like, sometimes you, as I, as a playwright have a really good answer and sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, like, good point. Um, maybe go back to the drawing board on that. Um, so I think that actors can be really, really smart. And like that getting to have had a couple workshops this year has just been really eye-opening in that in that way, both as an actor and a writer.
0: I'm wondering if... Um, so people who are just starting to write plays might wonder what this looks like. And I know we talk a lot about how... Um, we can learn so much from actors reading our plays, but I'm wondering if you can give an example. I know I'm kind of putting you on the Mm -hmm. spot, but can you think of a time when an actor asked you a really good question about a play or they did something that made you rewrite that moment?
1: Um, well, I think that like in my recently there was this workshop of my play Walden at premier stages. And I had some really smart actors who were also friends of mine. So I think they felt really comfortable with me and they felt comfortable to be like, I'm trying to think of exact specific examples within the text, but it's not, I just, there was a lot of them asking like, but why would this happen at this moment? And a lot of me being like, I understand where you're coming from. This is why I, I wrote that in this specific moment and, mm-hmm. and a lot of just like kind of having to, I don't know, de- defend it. <laughs> um, but I can't really think of a specific mm-hmm. example, but also like as an actor in the convent, I s- saw actors also like interrogating Jesse Dickie's play and saw how she handled that. So I feel like I also learned from that. And, um, Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'll, I, if I think of a specific example while we're talking, I will bring it back up because I am I'm uncertain. I can remember specifics, but
0: I just I just know that that's something I say all the time, too. And mm-hmm. then and then I it just occurred to me, it might be hard for new writers to imagine what that looks like in the room. Mm yeah but yeah. I know it's hard to think of them in the moment I know moment. I'm like I don't remember what
1: the yeah. play what no I was that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know
0: so, so what's your
2: process is like in writing of a new play you know how do you get started how do you start writing your plays or do you start with an idea some lines
1: yeah I usually start with an idea mm-hmm. um Like right now I'm writing a new play for this writer's workshop that I'm in with this theater company in uh, in New York called Eden Theater Company. Um, And it's just kind of based on this scientific term that I heard used um, called truthing or ground truth, um, where it's like a satellite takes a picture of a piece of land to map it, but you additionally have to have scientists like go out into that land and verify the measurements. And that's called finding the quote unquote ground truth. Mm -hmm. And um, that to me is just like a pretty good metaphor for both like a lot of what's happening in this country right now with like, what is the truth? We see all this, you know, garbage on the news and it's like, you have to find out what is really true, but then also like dealing with really difficult truth. So you have to have a lot that you have to like, hold in many different hands mm. so like thinking about that idea and then coming up with like right now I know there's three characters and I've written like you know a handful of pages but um I think I usually start with an idea or concept or a moment like for the Harry Potter play the moment my mom confronted me about the dirty <laughs> fan fiction <laughs> um And then the world kind of became really big from there. Um, But often it'll start as something small or like with my play Walden, which is about twin sisters in the field of space travel. It just, it started with like, I want to write about like competitive siblings and space. (laughs) And I like (laughs) don't know much about space. And I like to write about things I don't know a ton about. Like I like to do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually I have to kind of like, have a whole day to write. I, I do like journal and every day, but I often need like a big block of time to just like sit with a cup of coffee in my pajamas and not really have anything else to do for the rest of the day, mm. um, which is, you know, kind of hard or like at least a large chunk of time. Cause then I'll, then I can like wander around and daydream about the play in my house and then actually sit down and like get to it. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: So I I discovered something about myself the other day. So I – for some reason, I hate writing in coffee shops in yeah. LA. And I think it's because I look around. I see people on their computers, and there's, like, screenwriters or, you know, aspiring TV <laughs> writers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it feels, like, such a cliché. <laughs> and it's like, I hate yes. this. So I don't – I didn't go to a coffee shop. But on Friday, I – went to visit my family. Oh, I was up in uh, Ventura where my family is from. And I found this like small coffee shop and I was like, kind of like I time to kill. So I was there. I looked around me and I was just like, people are on their computers, but I kind of noticed that they were all coders. or they were, Like all, like, <laughs> they were, like, like startup people, you know? So I was like, and I also
0: like, I could work here. <laughs> and so I was like, I just felt like this weird Thing, cliche you want to be the only playwright in the room. <laughs> yeah, Sam.
2: Sometimes that's how I
0: work. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought,
2: that, I thought that was just like, okay, so, right, that's how, if I could, if I want to work in a coffee shop, I have to be the only writer in the room. Only one. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine they're all coders. Just imagine that. That seems that's fair. That seems like a fair requirement. I can't, no, you Absolutely. can't because they all have, like, they all have a certain
0: look. Yeah.
2: I <laughs> yeah. need this look of like they're wearing sandals and they're like they don't care. They they totally. look like maybe they-
0: coffee shops could have a sign that says, <laughs> you know, like when the one writer has arrived, they like they're like no more <laughs> the sign yeah. says we've reached our current capacity for playwrights. That's oh, a great that's idea. A great <laughs> that would make me more excited
1: to find a coffee shop that didn't have the quota filled and be like, "All right, I'm, I'm okay." Right. Um. Yeah. I also feel like every time I write a play, I'm like, "I don't know how I did it last time." So yeah. Well, I don't know what how this will happen. Um. Do you do? Either of you feel that way?
0: I like oh, trying to write this new play. I'm like, "How did I do that before?" I don't know. I know. Do you typically start at the first scene and then go sequentially? Yeah. I usually do, I think. But I think there are also
1: scenes that I'll be like, I know that scene has to happen, so I guess I'll just write that one. Um, I've done that before. But I also – And do you
0: like – oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say I also like have found that when I have to write a play quickly – I feel like you've talked about this on the podcast before. I It's sort of a new thing for me, but I kind of like it. I've never written a play in a weekend or anything like that, but like I've written one in like two weeks – and I find mm-hmm. that I it's way less overwritten. It's just like it had to come out,
0: and there it is. Um, yeah, I think we talked about that with Raina. hmm hmm Yeah. You, it's like you you don't have enough time to doubt yourself, and so yeah. you just go. Mm, totally.
2: Yeah, I feel like every play I've written, each, some weird way, I don't know, because this is just how I work, but every play I've written has been so different in the process like one was with all index cards for some reason because it only worked that way other one was like all journaling like that because it only worked that Mm -hmm. way or I don't know like Mm -hmm. there hasn't been two plays I've written the same way so far right now (laughs) which is so bizarre yeah Um, I totally
1: feel that I feel like I I also work really well if I'm given a prompt or mm -hmm. if I have constraints and I, it allows me to, like, write faster, I think. Like, I – the um, – Daniel Talbot, who directed me in The Convent, which I was in earlier this year, um, like, commissioned me to write a piece, like, an hour-long play for um, the – actually, I don't know if you know the this bookshop, Sarah, in L.A., called the Larry Edmonds Bookshop. Um, it's, like, a movie memorabilia bookstore. But he um, – his theater company does this um, evening – of what had been in the past like short new plays in this bookshop um but he asked me to write a piece that was like hour long had really specific ideas about the story for three specific actors um and this was an example of like we thought it was going to be like two months from them but then he got a job and was like can we actually do it next month like can you write it right now I was like oh my god I okay but it was like the most amazing Experience because I by the time I like arrived in LA to like watch them rehearse it I was like I don't even remember wow what's coming next really because I was like I wrote that I like had to write it get a little feedback and then just be like okay like this is this is the draft but it was really a cool cool experience.
0: Um, That's a cool yeah. process yeah. to be surprised by your own work. Yeah, it was very cool. So Amy. What has being an actor taught you about handling rejections? Oh Do you have gosh. any words of wisdom for Ugh. playwrights who get rejected? Well, I have to say that
1: I find rejection as a playwright so much better because you actually oh. get rejected, like as a as <laughs> yeah. An actor, you don't just get ghosted. You never hear back. <laughs> yeah, you get ghosted constantly. Like a therapist that I used to work with Mm -hmm. was just appalled that I like get ghosted every time that I audition for a play (laughs) she's like why don't you get feedback I don't understand like that's just (laughs) how it is like this is just how it's been since the dawn of time there's nothing I can do about like can't you ask for feedback no you can't ask for feedback (laughs) um, oh my god
0: it's
1: so true (laughs) I love this therapist I loved her so much um she helped me through so many things but um but maybe I, you're her only actor. <laughs> I probably mean. I was. I do think I was. I think she did not understand it at all. But she was, you know, very empathetic. But yeah, she did not understand that whole ghosting thing. Where at, as, like, uh, as a playwright, you get rejection letters, and sometimes they're even really nice. <laughs> sometimes yeah. they're like, "We really liked your play, but you aren't. Sorry, we're not going to pick it." But it's like, "Hey, you liked it. I that's really nice. I can take that and put it in my pocket." And I like, I, I don't know, I have made I can see my progress as a playwright so much more than as an actor like as an actor it feels very random like at the time that I Mm. got this show that I uh the convent I was pretty sure I was like I guess I'm just a not just but I guess I am a playwright now because I don't think anyone's interested in me being an actor and then this thing happens sort of out of the blue and that is sort of how all of acting feels to me whereas like as a writer I can see things build upon themselves like I can see progress. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a whole like color coded spreadsheet of submissions and stuff that I can like, mm-hmm. you know. So then if I get a rejection, I'm like, great! I will turn it red. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like that'll be the fun little prize to like, you know, add that to my little spreadsheet.
0: Um, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So I don't know. I think that I just feel that there's sort of more opportunity to make your own, obviously, to make your own work as, as a playwright. But even if somebody says no, there's other opportunities or other avenues to, like, kind of get to a similar result, I feel like. Um, so I try to kind of take the rejections with a grain of salt and hope that the next thing that it doesn't necessarily mean the next thing's not going to be a yes, or isn't going to be a maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So I and I just sort of feel grateful to get the feedback (laughs) because as an actor, I, you know, you just have to kind of let it go in a really intense way that I'm never very good at doing. And my therapist at the time was like, it's just like the same when you, with you in dating, you know, you just like, don't
0: I was like, yeah, thank oh, you man. so much. Thank you for
1: um, bringing that up. I really appreciate
0: it. But it's but like, like, would it be better if your date sent you an email that was like, you're really great, but not I mean, I think it's less crazy making and I think
1: it's yeah, more probably. polite, but yeah, you know, but I also understand and <laughs>
0: it happens. Well, that sounds very healthy.
1: Oh, thanks. I mean, it may just be that I had like a pretty good year where I got a lot of no's, but at the same time, like also got some good yeses. And so, if you talk to me in like another six months, I might be like, "Yeah, rejection. Oh, like <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I don't know." Mm. But, um, but yeah, I think I just feel glad to get any sort of um feedback.
2: Mm. <laughs> I feel like we talk about rejections, but now I'm wondering this question where. When you when your play does get selected and you know mm-hmm. um, has a place in a development or whatever, does, does your mind kind of start going like, well, what like do you know why it was selected? Like, do you know mm. maybe you looked at the other plays of works? Another player is like, oh, this made sense. Maybe it was like this type of year where everyone wanted this kind mm. of.
1: Yeah. I mostly have no idea yeah. why one of my plays gets picked. I mostly am just surprised and excited. And, you know, I feel like you can start to get a sense of like certain theaters that maybe they like sort of zeitgeisty plays or they yeah. like um, plays with small casts or who knows. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's still, there's still plays that I know of that I'm like, I don't know why that play didn't get it. I don't know why mine did. Yeah. Um, or, you know, every once in a while, like, why did that play get it? mine didn't get it. Um, totally. But, yeah, mostly I feel like, and that is sort of, I think, can be, it makes me feel hopeful because it's like you just never know who's going to like your work. Right. Like, yeah, that's yeah. why you have to just kind of keep sending sending out, yeah. um, you know, your, your stuff because, you know, at the least, like, expected moment I feel like is when it comes back with like a good answer um, and actually like when I, I had a short film that got into a festival in LA like really out of the blue and, and it had get gotten rejected everywhere and it's a very weird little like silent short film that I made and um, oh. thanks yeah it, it was and it was really cool that it got into like this um, the LA short film festival and um but when I got there to like watch all the other films I was like oh I see why they liked this like that was a little clearer to me because I was like they like these like weird visual storytelling like kind of moody films I can tell that like that's what they dig um with theaters I it's a little bit more mysterious to me but but I think it's means for for hope I at least that's how I think about it
0: hmm I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, um, so your play Walden Mm -hmm. is about, as you said, space exploration, but it's also about the collapse of the earth as a livable Mm -hmm. place. And, um, and you, you seem to write about science themes Mm -hmm. frequently. Mm -hmm. So what about those kinds of topics makes for good theater?
1: Well, I don't know. I hope it makes for good theater, but I don't really <laughs> know. Um, I I think that like I just am really curious as to the question like what are we gonna do when it's past the point where we could reverse global warming or climate change, like what's happening with the planet? We may already be there. Um, but I'm just it just seems like nothing's gonna change. no one's doing anything so. Um, I'm very interested in that question and Walden is answering it in this way of, um, talking about colonizing other planets and, um, my play, the new Galileo's, which is about three female scientists being held hosti- uh, climate change scientists being held hostage by the government, um, kind of talks about this, uh, another different way that we could like called geoengineering that we could manipulate, um, the earth's atmosphere mm-hmm. potentially, which is a very dangerous idea, but it's out there and the ideas of how to save the planet. And um, so I don't know if it makes for good theater. I actually think it makes people really uncomfortable um, Mm -hmm. to think about, I mean, it's very anxiety inducing to think about climate change and you feel so small and helpless and like nothing you're going to do is going to change. Or this is how I feel anyway, that nothing I do is really affecting if I recycle, what does it really matter? You know, you can kind of like get it, into your head about that sort of thing. But, um, but I think it's really important to talk about. And so I think that putting those themes and those questions in front of a live audience at a theater where you can't leave or like turn off the TV or Mm -hmm. do something else while you're watching the documentary on climate science. Like we have to really face those thoughts and ideas that I think that is important to me. um, at least with the impetus behind writing both of those plays. Um, and I find science, you know, really, um, having like ripe with metaphor. And I find that that can be a really cool thing to put into theater. And I think that scientists are like artists and pretty similar to artists and that they are, you know, always exploring, finding meaning in the world and, um, yeah. kind of coming at it from different perspectives, but I find scientists to be really interesting subjects, um, our characters. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, you know, it's a interesting, it's a difficult topic to write about climate change. Cause it's like, who is the villain? You know, like there's not a bad guy necessarily, right. or like it's capitalism <laughs> and, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? So, yeah. um. Yeah, I, I, um, I hope it makes good theater, but I think that, you know, making an audience contemplate those questions is, is important.
2: I guess before we jump to Glisten's, do you have, what, what advice would you give to our listeners who are interested in playwriting and creating new work?
1: Um, I would say, like, put for me, it really helped to put myself in a class, um, to just, like, have deadlines, have accountability. If, if the issue is like, I don't know, I, I just can't make myself right if you're really like a, a beginner and you don't really know how to begin. Um, but I also think that like, you don't necessarily have to be in like the most prestigious like writers groups or have all these developmental opportunities or anything like you can write a play, invite people over to your house and like order pizza and like read the play and have other artists there and kind of see what they're thoughts are and then see where they think you might Mm. should send it. Or like if they know someone who might be interested in it, like I think you from your own community can create those opportunities for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, that's what I love about writing plays and sharing them. And like, I love just creating community around it. Um, so that's some advice. Like I think that people feel so daunted because it's like, you know, there's so many writers, so many playwrights, so many, Screenwriters, but
0: in the LA coffee shops, you mean? <laughs>
1: and in the New York
0: coffee shops. <laughs>
1: in the New York coffee
0: shops. In all of them. Not um, in the Maine coffee shops. So if you're and- ever looking for a coffee shop with no writers, you should just come to Maine. Maine is so um, beautiful but you'll probably see <laughs> even <McKean> King and <laughs> I dominate yeah. the whole coffee shop scene. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. I think you're right that people feel intimidated.
1: Yeah, I think, or I think people don't know, like I have some friends that have written some plays and are like, but I don't know, like, where should I send it? There's definitely ways and to find places to send your plays, but also like just introducing your work to your, like, to your friends that are in the theater. That is like step one, I feel like, Mm -hmm. um, and that can lead to so many opportunities and so many things. So are you in a writer's group? um not right now i might be going to be soon sort of like waiting to hear and i i don't know like (laughs) i've had like a really a lot happening the past year and then now it's like i don't know what's next and there's all these potential groups i might be in or whatever but um but there is this one that i'm writing this play ground truth in that has like three playwrights in it and the theater company invites actors to the, to hear the pages and stuff. And
0: it's really nice. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Cool. Well, Amy, where can our listeners find you?
1: Oh, you can find me on the social medias. Um, I think my handle on like Instagram and Twitter is Amy R Berryman, uh, R as in the letter R. Um, Do we get to know what that's short for? Rebecca stands for- oh, Rebecca. <laughs> is my mm-hmm. middle name, Amy R. Berryman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I'm also, I have a website, amy-berryman.com. And I'm on New Play Exchange where you can read my plays. And you should all be on New Play Exchange because got, I've got i gotten like a um, production at like a high school of one oh. of my plays oh, next cool. year from like just someone reading it on New Play Exchange.
0: We should do an episode about New Play Exchange.
1: Yeah.
0: It's really it's such a it's great sort of, resource. It
1: really is. Like, I was sort of skeptical at first, but now I'm just, like, totally on board. Mm-hmm. think it's awesome. Sweet.
0: So.
2: Yeah. I think we could f- probably find someone from New Play Exchange.
0: Yeah. But I think we should. Gwydian. Yeah, Gwydian. Mm-hmm.
2: Sullivan. Yeah. You should ask him. Um, yeah, I think my f- – I go back and forth. Sometimes I really like it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is – weird
1: <laughs> yeah no for sure i think the weird part about it is like when people sort of they just rec- okay this is like you don't have to put this in the podcast if you don't want to but they like recommend plays just to get one back <laughs> do you know what um, i mean like they sort of yeah. use it as like like on new play exchange listeners you can if you aren't on new play exchange you can recommend people's plays and then it's like it feels like you know an exchange or something it's literally called a play exchange so um (laughs) but sometimes I just find it odd or something or then I feel pressure to like also write back but I'm also so grateful that they did I just feel confused it just is Mm -hmm. it stresses me out sometimes but but hey it's gotten me some cool stuff so um it's cool
0: and it's such a great way to find plays to read yeah, by people that you're interested in.
2: Yeah. Learning for, more I'll about. say this, yeah. Sam. Yeah. So for the ones I am really interested in reading, they did not upload their work. So I don't... Oh. And I didn't for a while, but
1: then I was like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I want I want people to find it. And yeah, no, no, no turning back.
0: I guess I figure, like, what's the fear? The fear is that somebody is going to, produce my play without telling me like it just that just seems mm-hmm. so outlandish
1: yeah um, I think also like for me it's putting up a play before it's yeah. really ready yeah that's it's true. like that's this a is a draft thing. of a play I mean I hope it's good enough for people to read but I don't know um
0: yeah, yeah that's a real thing too um
1: but I I did read a really good play on there that i like to kind of tell people about um it's called John Proctor's the villain. And it's by I've heard about Kim this play. Bellflower I think's her name. Mm-hmm. I really loved it.
0: I like cool. can't stop thinking
1: about it. It's really good. So
0: Tell us why.
1: That. So What's it's your, about, like one, yeah. Um, it's about like a high school where kids are these kids are learning they're reading The Crucible. Um and it's like about high school girl. It's like really centers around this group of high school girls and One of them has clearly gone through some sort of traumatic relationship, which you find out throughout the course of the play. And it's, it just feels very real as far as like young women coming of age, which I am like, really love that kind of stuff. But it's Mm -hmm. also just like really looking at the crucible in a really critical, awesome way that um, it's really exciting. I just, I, I loved it. And it's sort awesome. of, it's kind of addressing the Me Too movement, but in a not super on the nose way, in my opinion. So yeah, I was, I was super into it. So I guess that's a glisten.
0: That, yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> we'll give you another glisten because we're all, we all want to know about your podcast that you wrote.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I didn't write it, but I listened <laughs> to writing podcasts.
0: Oh, oh, I misunderstood. You mean podcasts about writing? Ooh, yes. Love recommendations. Oh, oh I'm so- cool. This is a good segue right into Glisten. So tell us about okay. writing podcasts. Not writing podcasts, but writing yes. podcasts. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: Sorry for the confusion from before. I have never written a podcast, but I'm I'm open to it. So, <laughs> um, no, I listen to because I am super interested in writing TV and writing for film. But I am I don't know how to like switch my brain into that world at all. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and hoping that that will somehow help. Um, But one of them is called The Writers Panel, which just interviews a lot of professional, mostly TV writers, but it's just, they're always super interesting interviews. It's more like about the business. And um, also Script Notes, which is uh, John August and Craig Mazin, who are both screenwriters. And that's a little bit more practical. Like sometimes they have whole episodes on like, looking at characters in a screenplay, but they often will also interview someone and they just, it's super smart, um, helpful information. And then there's a podcast called On the Page, which is um, by this sort of like a script consultant who also teaches screenwriting in LA, actually, um, called, her name's Pilar Alessandra. And, um, but it's called On the Page and it has some really great practical advice and also really great interviews. And I just... I enjoy them Sweet. and they
2: help motivate me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Those sound great.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna go listen to all of them. I used to listen. Yeah. I used to listen to um, script notes a lot. I really like that Craig Mazin episode where it was just him talking about the structure. Such a great yes. episode. Like Yeah.
1: Such a great episode. Yeah. So helpful. I was like, I should yeah, be taking notes on this. Like, what am I doing? Um so yeah. Yeah. And I also I'm really loving listening to this podcast because I'm getting, you
0: know, getting <laughs> caught up. You. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. I'm blushing. <laughs> no, it's so good. And both of your voices are really, like, calming. And I just, I enjoy it.
0: <laughs> That's so nice. Sarah, what's your listen? So,
2: lesson? for the
0: month of September,
2: um... I guess this is going to be an ongoing glisten, I guess, till the end of the month, but for the month of September, it's known as national sketch writing month where every day you write a sketch. And I've been, I was like, okay, I want to just get in the habit of just writing these sketches with no, like without hesitating or anything or overthinking about it. So I've been writing a sketch a day. I've written
0: Hmm.
2: 15 sketches so far and need to write my,
0: That's amazing. That's, yeah. Uh, So listeners, by the time this podcast is,
2: or this episode is released, I'll probably have written hopefully 28 Mm -hmm. episodes or or, or sketches.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, That's
2: so cool. It's been incredibly hard because I come home I'm like, it's like really late. I'm like, I should really put those three to four pages in right now. Um, And, you know, a lot of them are horrible, but... A lot of them are, um, I was surprised at myself, like, oh, this is a really good, actually, comic idea that I could explore and, and write with my sketch team, you know? So, yeah, it's been mm-hmm. hard and fun, but a really good challenge. So, if anyone interested in sketch comedy writing, just uh, those pages, those short, short pages. Let's of- do it. No, it's been good. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Well, it's good job, Sarah.
2: Yeah, maybe we should read one of of them. I maybe not. Or (laughs) okay. Uh, What's your glisten, Sam?
0: My glisten is Greta Thunberg, who is the Swedish (gasps) um, climate (sighs) activist who has been striking school. for the past year. Well, she started out doing just Fridays and now she's like taking a year off school and she just traveled across the Atlantic Ocean on I mean, a boat. I can't believe it. I can't I believe it. She is so incredible. I know. Oh my god,
1: when she was I I, I just like the ocean to me is the same amount of scary mm-hmm. as space because it's just so big. Mm-hmm. And just that she I guess but people have done this forever. They cross the ocean. Like that's just what right. people do. But, there but I was were a like lot of she's shipwrecks
0: gonna... and people yes! who died when they just
1: going to get in this little sailboat and like I mean it's a it's a military vessel, I guess. But wow. it was small. It's like small. I think it's like fifty feet.
0: I mean it's yeah. not that big. Yeah. She's so incredible. I and I just learned that she has Asperger's. So yeah. she's on the spectrum and just like a total inspiration mm-hmm. to all of us and <laughs> cynical adults who think that nothing is gonna get better yeah yeah that's a good one cool well Yay. Amy thank you so much it's been such thank a joy you. to talk to you this about has playwriting been
1: really fun and acting
0: Yay. awesome and listeners we encourage you to check out her website amy berrymancom <laughs> mm-hmm and go find her on the new play exchange and don't forget to recommend her play or else (laughs) or else
1: and i'll uh yeah i don't know if i'll recommend back because i get so nervous about recommending things (laughs) but maybe i will
2: (laughs) all right thanks
1: for
0: listening folks